Welcome to the HR Uprising podcast. This podcast series explores HR hot topics and challenges through conversations with relevant experts and real-life HR learning and OD professionals. The HR Uprising is about learning through collaboration and evidence-based action. We want colleagues to have the confidence and skills to rise up through their organizations by delivering real, lasting business value. Now, introducing your host, chartered psychologist, experienced change agent, entrepreneur, speaker, and coach, Lucinda Carney. Hello and welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast. And as you know, hopefully, if you've been tuning in over the last couple of weeks, we are doing our HR um, Uprising 12 HR Professionals of Christmas. So this week, I'm hearing from Ruth Cornish, Caroline Crawley and Willorna Brock. I know certainly um, Ruth is quite active in some of the social medias, as is Willorna, who is in the CIPD. And Caroline, again, we found through the HR Uprising community. So really pleased to have the opportunity to talk to these people, all in really quite different roles again, which is what we were hoping to get so that we get a real um, cross section of people in HR. So we kick off with Ruth. And she is an independent consultant for Amlaw Consulting. It's her own business. But she's had quite a uh, an extensive com- um, career in terms of private sector and public sector uh, before setting up her business in consulting. And then there's lots that we can learn. I think it's not just about um, the business we operate in. She talks about how overcoming adversity and resilience has been something that's been key to her success. I then talk to Caroline and we talk about things like, um, well, she's come through much more of an operational role. So it's really nice looking at things from a less traditional HR from day one approach. So she's been very hands on in these. And then she she works in apprenticeships. We talk about apprenticeships, about blended rolling and actually that sort of operational angle and the value that that can bring. And then finally, I speak to Ilona and she's She's done so many different roles. She's done lots of um, contracts. Um, so she's got a really broad um, view of, of HR. Currently, she's in a really interesting strategic role for the Association of Commonwealth Universities, which sounds fascinating. And Willona's really active in CIPD. I think she was one of the bloggers at the recent CIPD conference. And she's just written her first book and published it, details of which I will um, mention at the end of the podcast. So again, three Really great, diverse ladies on, the, on this occasion this week. Really hope you enjoyed hearing from them. I thoroughly enjoyed speaking with them. I'm delighted to welcome my next guest, Ruth Cornish of Amalor HR Consultancy. Welcome, Ruth. Thank you, Lucinda. Thank you for coming on and being patient with my practice introductions that the audience out there don't need to know about that I've just cocked up. <laughs> so um, as you know, thank you so much for coming on the HR Uprising. Um, we've just been chatting about your background and there's so much to share. Would you be happy to share for the audience a little bit about your, your potted career history as to what brings you into this position, um, having had so much experience in this sector? So I began my career at American Express. I wasn't a graduate. I had a child when I was 19 and I, I started work to earn money, as many people did. Um, but American Express had a mirrored graduate development program. So for every person they developed as a graduate, they had non-graduates. And I immediately went on to that program. Well, wow, that's uh, very enlightened, isn't it? Isn't it? If you think about this is the late 30 years ago. Yeah. yeah. Very. Yeah, it really was. Um, and, um, so I sort of loved working, absolutely loved working. And, um, 
I used to work in a department where we provided sales support to um, the sales force that were going out and getting people to accept the American Express card. And at that time, the American Express card charged quite high commission compared to others like Visa. And we would always say, well, our cardholders spend more. We charge more, but our cardholders spend more. And, and, and a vacancy came up to be an area sales manager. Now, I was five grades beneath this, but cocky young whippersnapper, I thought, I'm going to give it a whirl. But I thought, if I apply through the correct procedures, and this is an HR person talking about I won't even get an interview because I haven't got the experience. So I applied directly to the head of the sales, who was this wily old Scottish man called Jim Lowther. And he gave me an interview and he gave me the job. And you, and, uh, you can imagine. Wow, um, hats off. <laughs> <laughs> so I did all the training and everything. But it's interesting. It's one of those early career experiences where um, <clears throat> humility has to kick in. Because the one thing they hadn't asked me and the one thing that was critical to that role was driving. And I was learning when I had the interview. And long story short, I took a risk where I sat the test on Friday to start the job on Monday. And of course I failed the test. Oh. I told them about it. And bearing in mind that the people that I was working for perhaps hadn't been that keen on the fact that I was appointed because it was over their heads, took that opportunity to say, oh, well, that's it then. You can yeah. either go back to your admin job or, you know, you can leave. And I said, I'm leaving. So off I went to London with my, you know, backpack. Um, <laughs> Dick Whittington. I was, Dick Whittington. Um, yes. And um, I'd be attempting for a, uh, a firm of accountants uh, in, tra- in the training department. And that was the start of my HR career. Retook the test three months later, passed it, never drove again to celebrate. And I, I loved recruitment. And, and um, I was headhunted um, a few times when I was there. And sometimes into actual headhunting. And it was something I've seriously considered as a career, but I decided I wanted to be more generalist. Predominantly, one of the things that frustrated me and caused me to leave was not being able to work flexibly at all. You know, even if I work full time, I couldn't work from home, et cetera, et cetera. And I do think that's quite a significant thing for most people. Yes. Uh, but for me as well, I hadn't seen as much of my daughter growing up as I'd wanted to because I'd been a young mum and had been out there working to, you know, yeah. support and so I had two more children I thought it's not going to happen again so I'm going to make my own path and you know I've always been the one that works my husband's been at home with the children and so setting up your own business most I mean I think a lot of women that do it are secondary earners and it's kind of not to say it's any less valid but for me you know I really needed to make it work quite from day one you've got to be yeah, I had I did the same thing I had to be profitable from day one haven't you you haven't got an option I bring the money in yeah um, can I just ask before you said where did what did you do geographically because you must have been London based and now you're over in the west country aren't you what, how did you sort of get there so I was relocated so we're not an environment agency I was in Brighton and I was relocated to Bristol okay my last job and I had to stay there for two years which I did um, and so now I'm in the Cotswolds looking out on a snowy scene. But of course, I've got a portfolio across uh, the UK, but we do have quite a lot of clients in London. So London's a place that I'm familiar with, I love, and I like going back there. Um, but the services we provide to our clients, um, some of them we do remotely, like we run a help desk, and obviously that's what we run from anywhere. And so, yeah, and then you can jump on the train in London, I guess, as well. Yeah, exactly. It's a better train service, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm close and sometimes I can imagine well, certainly when you were down you on uh, well I won't get in train services but absolutely so so a pretty diverse um background I mean that's one of the things would you say that having you know 
having had that real breadth of experience has been valuable though in being an independent consultant? Um, I suppose, you know, one of the things about being an in-house HR professional is that one of the most important things as an HR leader is that you're, you're on brand, that you're, you know, supporting that organisation and promoting it. Whereas when you work for yourself, then, you know, it's not about, if I say the right thing, will I get the right bonus type of thing? I'm not saying yeah. that was me, but you can be a bit more challenging if you've got that agreement with your client. Building, building, yeah, so it's all about working out what the problems are for the people you're dealing with. That's going back to the salesperson in you, isn't it? Find out what the need is and then find a way of, of fulfilling it. Yeah. So, so yeah, that sounds great. I mean, clearly you've had challenges along the way. If you were to pick something that would be a, a transferable challenge for this audience to listen to, can you, is there anything that comes to mind to share? Um, well, um, adversity has to be one to mention. So um, when I'd been doing my business for about a year, I was diagnosed rather unexpectedly with cancer, which was not why I planned at all. And of course, I immediately thought, gosh, if I was working for someone, I'd have sick leave. But I thought, no, no, no. Um, and actually, it was fine. And the client I was working for was not on the highstreet.com. And, you know, I could pare down my hours enough that I could still earn enough to pay the bills. But of course, it got me thinking when I was lying in bed recovering from a chemotherapy session um, about what I was going to do in my business when I got better. And I was very lucky in that I was diagnosed in August 2011, um, 2011 and got the all clear in January 2012. So it was actually quite short and sweet, really, uh, bittersweet. <laughs> very, <laughs> just, that's a very positive way of looking at things, yes. I did feel that I came back stronger. I really did. I, you know... I, when I had my last child, I had this, I got septicemia, I had um, tonsillitis and I ended up in intensive care with an eight week old baby. Oh, and when they discharged me from hospital, they discharged me on crutches. And I said, I might, you know, the fact that I can't walk that well, is a problem for me. I've got a toddler and a newborn baby. And they said, well, you know, you might not be able to walk, but at least you're alive. And I thought, nope, nope, I really need to fully walk. And, you know, I was saying to you earlier when we were chatting that, you know, I'm now Mrs. Bootcamp. So I do think adversity kind of helps me focus on something that I need to improve. And I recognise the importance of being sort of healthy and fit. It was just unfortunate, I think, that I got septicemia. <laughs> but it definitely focused my mind. And so, of course, because I'd had that experience, when I got ill again, I thought, nope, nope, I'm just moving forward and moving ahead. So is that, what's your secret when you're doing it? You're sort of saying no, no. So you're basically going, this is not how it's going to be. You just focus on what you want to be the way forward. It's a very good point. People say creating a vision or what, what would you say you're doing? I think I can see past it. So I'm, I'm a visionary person and I can see past it. And I suppose I'm quite stoic. I'm a survivor. I'm a warrior. And, you know, for me, I've always been someone, if something nasty needs to be dealt with, I put my head down and just face it straight away. Square it. Yeah. yeah. So you just get your head down, get on through it, but also but have a vision for the other side. Yeah. And I think the other thing actually is having a good support network. Very important when you're an independent Yes. That's one of the things because I've set up HR independence, which is sort of a growing group and, you know, identifying that so many people working for themselves that are on their own. And I, in my early days, I did have some moments of thinking, gosh, I wish I could just ask someone what to do uh, or what they would do. And of course, with the growth of, you know, Internet, Facebook, LinkedIn, that's now possible. And yes. you know, I live in the Cotswolds. I live in the middle of nowhere. But I network every day and meet people every day just by sitting in front of my computer and Absolutely. so I think it's very important as well. Definitely. And, and I think reaching out more, it, it, it helps you feel less lonely, doesn't it? But there's so much information and people are so happy to share as well if you just ask for it. Um, so it's, it's, it's a good thing to do. 
So overcoming adversity, and, and that's a great tip in terms of looking beyond it, getting your head down and facing it. Uh, if, if you were thinking separate to those things that you've been through, if you were going to go back and give advice to yourself back when you're in that first job, what advice would you give yourself in retrospect? So first job, and I was at American Express rather than... Uh, oh, no, maybe your first HR job would be the right one, maybe. First HR job. Gosh, when I got my first HR job, I was just so excited. <laughs> um, <laughs> so don't get too excited. <laughs> Calm down, love. <laughs> I, you know, I, I remember getting um, some feedback, actually, because I got my first job as an HR officer and I had my own office. You know, I had a secretary, you know, and I really felt like I'd made it. And in a way, I had but I was desperate to be the best, do the best. And I remember when I, I was in a probation period, uh, when it came to end probation period, the head of the firm, this is a large firm of accountants, took it upon himself to say, we're going to extend your probation period. And I was absolutely devastated. Why? Because I've tried so hard to be so amazing. And he said, but Ruth, how have you made everybody else feel by doing that? And I think that's that I really took away something from that. So, you know, it was about I wanted to be the best at any price. That was the salesperson in me from American Express. Right. Actually, it's about delivering results through people. And that's the thing I had to learn at that point. It wasn't just about me anymore. It was about me delivering things through HR colleagues and through people in the business and Maybe not being the best, but achieving the best result without damaging relationships or making people feel inferior. That was what I was told I did. And I probably did. And I probably didn't care until they made me care. And it was a very valuable early lesson. Okay. Thank you for those. Gosh, that's interesting. Because I, I was thinking, oh, it, was that fair? But actually, so you've got something really, it's about not always taking the front. It's, it's about being prepared to be the follower as much as the, or, or to take others with you as much as. It's the culture. It's the culture of the firm. Now, me behaving like that in a different type of firm would have been amazing. And I'd have passed my probation period in about a day. Flying colours, yeah. But it's the culture of the firm. And that, that firm, um, which I still work with now, a sort of, you know, a 2019 version, Mazars, is very much, and it's still got the same culture, which is very much, they're commercial, they're polished, they're professional, but they are very much about being supportive and they're just it sounds cheesy but they're just nice people to deal with you know that you won't get stabbed in the back and they won't stab anyone in the back you know and you can make a mistake and learn and you got any other plans for going you know in terms of taking the business forward well um so i have my interest so so amalor is growing um year on year um just by virtue it's, it's in its 10th year next year um, my interest, interestingly, is around the whole HR independence thing. And I would like to do more supporting HR independence, even speaking out for them. And I've started doing this with the CIPD, which is, we all know who the CIPD are. Mm. But they, if anyone's an HR independent listening to this, they'll know that they aren't particularly catered for mm. in the training or the services. And so sort of influencing for that group. It's a growing area. One in 10 people for the CIPD are independent. We reckon 25% of HR professionals are now working flexibly for themselves. It's a growing area. So um, that's my interest, actually. Ah, so this is a good audience to be talking to. And actually, of course, we'll make sure that all of your contact details, Ruth, are on the show notes for anyone who wants to obviously link in with you and connect with you and, um, and see how we can 
I'm sure there could be more and more ideas that can come out of that. Mutual independence group on Facebook. And in mm. fact, I've just been organising before I came on to talk to you the first HR independence virtual Christmas party. Oh, <laughs> just sit around with a hat and a cracker and and um, this is jumper. There's drink a prize. Wine. Yeah, why not? You can do it all on, on video if you needed to. So um, in fact, maybe that links into our final question, which I'm reluctant to do, but I realise I've run over, run over time, but it's great talking to you, uh, which is if you had a magic HR wand, so other than being able to virtually be together for your Christmas party and then magically home without a hangover, what would, what would you go if you had a, an HR magic wand? For HR, the profession? Yes. I, my vision for HR is that there will be at the moment most companies have an in-house team and the people that use external consultants like me and my colleagues tend to be smaller i really think that in the future that could change um i would like to see more independent hr consultants um, for example working with and representing employees now whatever anyone says um hr are very much there to support managers technically mm. support employees as well but it's a bit of a conflict of interest there so i would like to see that slowly start to change that's a, that's actually quite revenue uh, revolutionizing if that's what um the whole sort of workplace and the and the, and the way in which we've used and we work with people it would change quite interesting angle. everything quite dramatically mm. what about yourself if you had a magic skill when you were in-house would you have wanted if you had a, a magic wand and a magic talent superpower is there anything you'd you'd want to, to do personally house a magic wand i'm just thinking back to my frustrations when i was in-house for me it was around um wasting time i think um you know lots of sort of internal meetings yeah um and i suppose that i think the biggest thing that would transform people working in-house is this whole thing around flexible working i think whether you're external or internal i think if that was embraced more I think that would be quite powerful. The ability to do that, that's, that's, yeah, definitely. And actually, as we both said, we've, lots of people leave and become independent in order to achieve that exactly. Well, it's, that's, that's quite interesting. I'm, I'm always polling our group, you know, about why they became independent. And you'll find quite a high proportion have done so because they're dissatisfied with what's offered to them on the in-house side. So yeah. actually, sometimes think that people go independent because they can't get a job or whatever. The opposite's true. Yes. Some of the people are out there because they want to work in a particular way. Yeah, definitely. That's it. that's that's why I've changed roles as well personally. Yeah. So makes sense. So Very thank good. you so much, um, Ruth. It's been great to have you on on the show. We could talk for much longer. Um, if you want to just tell the audience if there's any ways in terms of getting hold of your your website or anything, we will put it on the show notes. Please please feel free to um, let us know how we, people can get in touch with you if they want to. So I'm telling you that now. So um, so Ruth Cornish on LinkedIn as in pasty, or www.amelore.com, or HR Independence is a Facebook group. Come and join us. Oh, sounds good. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much, Ruth. My pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
Hi, Caroline. So welcome. This is Caroline Crawley for um, listeners out there. And her role is Quality Business Partner at Indeserve Learning and Employment. And I'm really pleased to have Caroline on because, uh, well, effectively, you've come through an operational route uh, into this space, haven't you? So I thought your background and your journey would be really interesting for our HR uprisers. So do you want to tell me a bit about your your career path to date, Caroline? Absolutely. So um, I started my uh, career... a few years ago now, too many to uh, care to mention, um, in government-funded work-based learning, so apprenticeships. Yep. So over the last um, 18 years or so, I've worked my way from being an actual apprenticeship assessor um, to becoming a head of quality, head of operations, to where I actually am now, which is a, a quality business partner at Interserve Learning and Employment. So... The way I kind of got into um, HR was quite interesting. So as I found myself working my way up into senior management roles, I started to be asked to get involved in disciplinaries. In, um, but, you know, I, I did actually quite enjoy it. I don't know what that says about me, um, but I did actually quite enjoy it. And I always wanted um, to complete my CIPD. But as you know, with a lot of these things, you never really, get round to doing it yeah um, and one of the things that InterServe have actually done for me um which is fantastic is they've actually put me through my level five um hr apprenticeship brilliant which is what i'm currently doing at the moment so i've i've had all the experience of over the years of dealing with them um, with kind of like hr activity um but never had the opportunity to actually complete um the apprenticeship or my cipd so that's the opportunity that they provided to me quite recently, probably about six months ago. So, you, so that's you're actually being able to put it all into action, aren't you? Then, in terms of the, the sort of the practicalities of it. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things that um, I've been working on a few projects uh, within Interserve, which has allowed me to start to use some of the knowledge and skills and behaviours that I've actually um, developed from the apprenticeship, in terms of looking at rewriting um, an induction after identifying that there was a potential issue there. Um, So I've got a working party together and we're actually redesigning the whole induction, which is where I first um, came across your podcast, which was the onboarding podcast. Ah, brilliant. Um, And we're also looking at developing a um, a training programme, just an internal training programme for our um, programme managers as well. So just to support them in in the role that in which they're in. So what proportion of your work would you say is um, now sort of HR and what proportion is operational management? Um, so I'd probably say HR maybe takes up about 20% of my role um, and the rest is operational management, um, looking at the quality of provision and that type of thing as well. So it's a real mix of a role that I've got. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's, that's great, but it really keeps it real, doesn't it? So you're very connected with the business. And one of the key things as, you know, in terms of being an effective um, HR professional is truly understanding the needs of the business, which you will, of course, easily have. Yeah, definitely. definitely. So I'm sure you have a few challenges um, along the road. It's not all plain sailing. What would you, I'm, I'm guessing that you're busy, <laughs> given given the oh context. Yes. I mean, well, before we started recording, we talked about time. Um so it's always really an issue, isn't it? There never seems to be enough hours in the day. 
um, managing like kind of normal day-to-day activities in my current role alongside some of the HR responsibilities that I've um, that I've had bring uh, bring to my doorstep has been a little bit difficult. But I think with the majority of people, you know, everybody has this particular struggle, and it's just about prioritising your work, making sure that you're working with people who are able to support you as well. Yeah, I mean, do you ever find there's any sort of conflict in the fact you've got both of these hats on? Um, yes, there is slightly, because you always, I mean, it's the fundamental issue is, is kind of performance management that I would automatically go to as a default. Yeah. So from an operational manager point of view, it's, you know, we need to performance manage this particular individual. And I think there's a certain expectation sometimes from an operational side of things, whereas on a HR with the HR hat on, should I say? Yeah. You um you have to look at more of okay, well let's have a look at the individual, let's have a look at the full story and make sure that this person's having the the right thing done with them, rather than you know the automatic oh well they're not they're not the right fit, so we need to look at taking another approach. So you have to make sure you're neutral and have your sort of process hat on firmly. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, and no, I can I can imagine that. No, as I said, that's that. You know, it's, 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 it's always a struggle, isn't it, in terms of, of, of balancing things? And I was just wondering whether it's it's something that's. It sounds like that actually works quite well together um, in many ways, as long as you can just keep that neutrality when needed. Yeah, absolutely, completely right. So, given your oh, actually one question before I went on, in, in is there are there any other HR? Uh, are there any um, dedicated HR at Interserve, or is is it just a hybrid role? Yes. Yes, there is. There's, um, we've got a shared service got at, um, at Interserve. Um, so we use them for, you know, the kind of the, the more advice and support and that type of thing. And then we can kind of enforce it within the business. But you're more the internal hands on deck person. Um, yes. Yeah, so probably say slightly. We um, we still get quite a lot of, of support from our HR, our internal HR function. Um, within the group um, however you know anybody who's on a HR apprenticeship is asked to to get involved as and when they can because it's putting it's putting all the learning that you actually develop into practice yeah that's great a lot more great and so in our, our questions for our 12 of which you're one uh, if you were to change anything or if you were to look back on your earlier career is there anything that you would or would you wish you'd known earlier or done earlier um Oh, wow. Um, so I'd probably say that some, something that I'd go back to myself is saying that universities isn't always the best option. Yeah. I went to university, um, but I'm a massive advocate for apprenticeships, especially while working in the sector. Um, apprenticeships now provide individuals with the opportunity to gain nationally recognised apprenticeships and qualifications whilst also gaining meaningful workplace experience. Yes. So I think I'd certainly prefer to have taken the route of a uh, an apprentice rather than incurring the student loan in which I did. Yeah, the debt, absolutely. Now paid off. Mm. <laughs> um, but who knows whether that would have changed where I am right now. So it's, um, it's a bit of a difficult one. Maybe university wasn't the best option for me, but if I didn't go, I wouldn't be where I am now. Yeah, you've no, no point in having any regrets. <laughs> what did you study? Absolutely. I studied business. 
Yeah, so, so it's still relevant, but not, not an HR yeah. that thing, but uh, that's good. Okay. Now, I, I certainly think the apprenticeships, it's quite exciting now with what people can get in and learn and get hands-on and, and learn and earn, basically. It's, it's uh, certainly moved on Absolutely. a lot. Absolutely. It has, definitely. So obviously, you're moving in your career at the moment. What are your aspirations? Do you want to do more HR? Or do you like the hybrid? Have you got other goals, next steps? Um, so ultimately, I mean... Kind of first steps first is that I want to uh, complete my apprenticeship. I mean, always looking to, to kind of do the best is I want to achieve that with the best possible grades I can. So I need to make sure I remain focused on that for the time being. Um, once that I've, once that has been achieved, is I, want, I just want to see how I can further support InterServe and the wider InterServe grouping in, in achieving the objectives that we've got um, for the next few years. So I think ultimately that's the short term. Um, goals sounds good it's um, it's interesting i was just thinking about how um in terms of one of the things that's well you're a member of our hr uprising linkedin group aren't you and actually um there which, which we want to get people talking more on i know you've commented a few times which is great um but and it's it's interesting because a few people who have kind of messaged me privately have sort of said um almost in mentoring or some sort of it might be good to get a forum where people can talk to each other as well because it's actually a lot of that learning you can learn through forums and maybe through talking to other people um, to help you grow alongside your CPD qualification, isn't it? I guess, are you doing it in a distance learning or um, we had Lady Tamazin Sutton came on. She actually runs level five um, qualifications, I think, for, for a pro provider. Is yours a, an online one or is it? No, no, it's um, I actually do some work with Tamazin. Oh, do you? Um, as well. Yes, I do. Um, so it's it's a mixture so it's it's definitely blended learning it's not all online yeah we have um training and development officers and facilitators who run workshops and also one-to-one -one sessions but you've also got the opportunity to do some online learning as well so i think that blended approach is really really good because you know some people prefer to work um to learn when they're in um, group sessions yeah some people prefer to learn while online so that good mix is um I think it's probably the, the best one that I would recommend. Yeah, definitely. Mix it up. So our final question is, if you had an HR superpower, what would it be? I know it's a tricky one. Oh, it's really difficult. Do you know what I have thinking about this? It's, oh, I think I'm going to have to cop out on this one and, and say it's a mixture of the two. Uh, okay, I'll let you arrange it. If it was Desert Island Discs, I wouldn't let you, but I'll go on, I will on this occasion. So I think it's a mixture of, creating a clone of myself at the moment to support me in completing some of the work projects that I'm working on at the moment to get things done much quicker and also the art of foresight <laughs> um, oh, yeah. so just to enable me to plan what's coming my way and kind of um, make sure that we're in a we're in a good place as a business to actually make sure we can do what we need to do so I'd probably say maybe three days a week would need to be dedicated to cloning and maybe two days equipped with the the art of foresight <laughs> superpower scene for future exactly. i like it that's brilliant exactly. oh caroline it's been really lovely having you on the hr uprising i wish you lots and lots of success with your apprenticeship i'm sure you'll absolutely smash it um and uh, yeah look forward to hearing hearing this played back in in december fantastic thank you ever so much for having me thank you for coming on
So welcome to Willorna Brock. She is an HR business partner at the Association of Commonwealth Universities, which actually I've seen your career path, Willorna, is you've, you've really got a lot of um, varying experience. It'd be great to hear a bit about that journey and you know what a little bit more about your current role as well. Do you want to take us through your your career, your potted career history to date? So um, my first degree is actually in French and Spanish. Um, I studied French and Spanish at university. And then when I graduated, I trained to teach. I taught in secondary school for about six years. And then I moved into HR. And so I started in HR sort of as a volunteer, actually, on a two project, which was quite boring. Um, but I was so keen and passionate to get into HR that I felt that was the only way to get an insight. So that's how you had to start. Isn't it? Yeah. So did you, whereabouts was your first role then? It was, to volunteer in it, it? was, um, it was it's a long story, but it was my local, because uh, I live um, in South London. So it was my local authority, um, London, both Sutton and Merton HR. So um, my tutor on the course I was doing at the time, um, the CPP was called the Certificate in Personnel Practice, which is an okay. entry level um, certificate to HR. Um, after pestering him for a few weeks, he agreed for me to go and get some work experience at his place of work. So I, I mean, ind- indebted to him really, because I don't know what would have happened if I hadn't had that opportunity, because HR is one of those professions where no matter how qualified you are, it seems as though you really need experience to get in. And even though I was coming in with my experience as a teacher and various other things I've done, I was really struggling to get a HR role. So yeah, oh, it's I, interesting, isn't it? I didn't realise that. So getting that volunteer route, that's a yeah, that's a key. Yeah. It's a key to get. I mean, even to get sort of a HR assistant role, they do look for experience. So um, I was struggling to get one at the time. So I got that role. It was volunteering. I did it for about six months, and then I got. Um, made permanent after about a year because I then got an agency role within the same organization and then I got made permanent um, within a year and then after that I worked uh, in engineering consultancy I worked at Atkins I've worked at two of the big four um, I've worked in at CGI IT I've worked at Gate Group mostly sort of contract roles and then um, my first role as the as a first HR business partner at the Association of Commonwealth Universities in October 2018. Ah okay so now you so you've moved you've had the experience of all those different cultures and now you're in a in a perm role what's the role about predominantly currently? It's mostly a strategic role about helping to build the people's strategy to help the organization to meet their very bold strategy, um, which is aligned to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. So it's called our Road to 2030. Um, It's about building a high performance organization. And our thing about building a better world through higher education is, you know, bringing universities together for research, for advanced knowledge, um, to improve lives through all of the sort of scholarship and fellowship programs that we offer to students in the UK and globally. So um, it it is a bold ambition so that we get the right people to advance our goals. Sounds exciting. Yeah. Part of a big vision. Yeah, yeah. And we do quite a lot. I mean, um, in terms of the education piece, research, and we sort of manage the scholarship programs on behalf of the Foreign Office and Department for International Development. 
So that's a big part of our work and it involves working with the government, working with various partners. We've recently got a new website, so um, all the information about the exciting work that we do um, is on there as well. That sounds great. In terms of your um, difference in roles, you said you'd worked with two of the big four in an engineering firm, and now um, it's a, it's a un- well, actually, it's not a university, is it? It's actually it's a, high, a, it's a charity. It's a charity in the higher education sector. Um, Got you. Yeah. What, what's what? What do you would you say? There's commonality. What are the commonality and differences in terms of the different organisations you've worked in? Um, the commonalities are sort of the same people issues. Um, <laughs> uh, I've, I've worked in all these different sectors and really the same people issues but it's just diff- different personalities, um, different characters, the way people relate to various things, um, different challenges. So for example, if you're working in say the private sector, there's a lot more money to spend on doing certain things and whereas in the charitable sector, um, you have to be quite resourceful. You have to also be very efficient. So I think there's this misconception that some charities do not work very efficiently. But we, for example, are trying to be very commercial because obviously we're accountable to our funders. We want to deliver value for money. So I think, yeah, it's basically the same sort of people issues, but different sort of manifesting in different ways. So in the role that you're in now, it sounds like there's um, sort of an evolution of a high performance culture and things like that. Is it much more OD related? What, what sort of things are you trying to I don't know, bring the right skills in? Or, yeah, bringing the right or... skills in, changing the sort of, I've got a big piece to work on next year in terms of culture, um, bringing a new performance management um, process, not system, but process. I'm also working on a new HR information system, moving away from transactional HR to free up time to do more value-add stuff, um, making managers a bit more accountable. So when they're sort of, when we roll out employee self-service, for example, um, that would help us um, to sort of reduce a lot of paperwork, which our admin team does. So um, yeah, looking at the bigger picture. So we've got this new strategy. So what do we need to do to make sure that we can achieve that? Looking at all the various strands of our, our people plan, well-being, engagement, a lot of a big piece around engagement, making sure that we, we have retention, making sure looking at the sort of pipeline. I'm actually looking at apprenticeships, bringing in your apprenticeship program for us so that we can you know enhance that sort of career progression and succession planning within the organization. So it's a, it's a lot actually. And also because we're a charity, um, we have to comply with the charity commission and safeguarding. So I've been working on safeguarding as well and bring, and because we're not a humanitarian organization or we don't deal with children and vulnerable adults, the safeguarding piece is a bit more complex because we're working with, you know, people over 18. We're working within the higher education sector. We have scholars that go and work so we go and study in certain universities our member universities so um how are we sort of managing that how are we making sure that we have processes and policies in place and that our partners that we work with abroad are aware of uk safeguarding regulations for example so that's quite a challenge but we've been working with um, a really good organization that's been supporting us on that so very much, again, you're having to be very business focused. I realise you're a charity, but very much understanding the pains and the challenges of the organisation for you to be able to 
really put in place the right strategies and 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 price it right as well. And price it right and deliver value yeah. for money because we have. Completely. I mean, but I guess with this sort of sector, there's a lot of um, bureaucracy in terms of you know being accountable. So there's reports, there's meetings. We have a council of trustees. We have a patron. We have, we're actually formed by royal charters. So the queen was our patron up up until. January this year and then she passed it on to the Duchess of Sussex so we have a Patreon so we have actually we organize really high profile events as well so um, when she went on a visit to South Africa recently we were involved because um, there are events at the university there that she attended to promote to help to promote our work so yeah high profile um, royal Sport there as well, yeah, nice. Yeah. Did you get to meet either of them? Not yet. <laughs> One day. So, yeah. So going um, back to earlier in your career, so you've, you've obviously done lots of things. Would you give yourself, with benefit of hindsight, and any knowledge, um, sorry, would you give any advice to your younger self? Yeah. Um, I'd say be patient. Don't try to run before you can crawl. Um, there's definitely, this is something I say to all the young people that I work with now. I say there's something to be learned from every experience. I think when I started out, because I'd been, I was coming from a different career where I'd actually pretty much established myself, um, I was number two in the department, in the language department. So I was running, I knew how to run a language department. You know, I was responsible for you know, I was a farm tutor. I was quite, you know, I had a lot of responsibility. And so, and also being a teacher as well, it's quite an autonomous profession. You know, you're in your classroom, you plan your lessons, you deliver, you decide which textbooks to purchase, you arrange trips for your students. I organize exchange um, trips with my students abroad. So I was autonomous, but now starting off in HR at the bottom, I wanted to move up very quickly. But HR is one of those professions that you really, to be a really effective HR practitioner, it's good to learn all aspects of the job. So all the mundane stuff, because it does, no matter how senior you are, you're going to have to be adaptable. And there are times when you are going to do some admin. Yeah. So um, get that, that experience. Is, yeah. So that's what I definitely learned about that. Being so be, be prepared to get your hands dirty yeah. and, and do that but, and be patient. Yeah even though you wanted to get on. No, it makes sense. Yeah. And in terms of your aspirations now, what, what, what's, your, what's your vision for, your, for yourself? Um, I like working on projects. I like to see a difference, make an impact. Um, I've got various interests in HR. I like OD, um, very much about well-being and engagement. And I like the way that HR is moving towards sort of the human piece, the employee experience. I think it very much it works because I'm very much about open conversations, being real. I mean, obviously maintaining that professional, the professionalism and the boundaries and everything. But I believe that if you treat people well, people are happy at work. Um, they're going to be more productive. You create more engagement and all that sort of thing. So my ne- makes sense. So that's yeah. yeah. My dissertation was actually around the psychological contracts and engagement. So I'm very much passionate about that. How long ago did you do the dissertation then? Um, Six years ago. I finished my master's in 20, well, actually seven now. Um, 2012, I finished it. So it's time to do something else. It's time to get my brain going again. (laughs) It is good to keep learning, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 Next next hot topic. 
And then our question that I ask everybody, if you had an HR superpower, what would it be? How do you mean? So if, if, if you could, if I could wave a magic wand and say, right, to make your life easier in, in any of your HR roles, what would it be that you, you would like to, to magically have? A crystal as your ball. superpower. A crystal ball. Oh, right, see the future. Yeah, yeah see the future. <laughs> and especially when it comes to recruitment. So are we hiring the right person? <laughs> Oh, that's a good that would be great wouldn't it will they actually fit in or not yeah are they going to create I, problems for us are they going to do the yeah. work <laughs> it's really interesting you know you said earlier your point about experience mm -hmm. i read an article i can't think it was in the harvard business review or something this, this weekend and they were saying that actually there is no correlation between experience and performance in the job or they've done some research where it wasn't in the case yet you were saying so the crystal ball might be more effective in actual fact yeah um yeah your, your experience yourself was you had to have the experience to get the foot on the ladder so i could uh, say a lot about that because um i think the way we recruit sometimes is not hiring managers do not look at the bigger picture it's all about experience they're not looking at potential I mean, I've hired someone recently who did not have the experience but was amazing. I could just spot the talent. I don't know whether it's because I used to be a teacher. I know I could really see the good in people. So, yeah, I mean, it's good to have the experience, but also give people a chance. Look at their potential. Yeah. So do you have any top tips on how you saw the potential? And was it a specific question that helped get that? Or? Um, it was a mixture of, yeah, a mixture of the questions how they engaged with it how passionate they were i could see the passion i could see they were really they were willing to learn and i guess a bit of intuition as well when you just just connect with someone and you can tell that they're really serious and they want you know they're going to do well they were humble they really wanted to learn so yeah give them a chance maybe that's your version of a crystal ball yeah <laughs> using all those things yeah 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 <laughs> Well, Lorna, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the HR Uprising. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me. And, and uh, yeah, it's great having you as part of the community. And, uh, yeah, I wish you lots of success in your future career. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. One thing I just wanted to mention for listeners is that Willorna has actually just published her first book and it's all about job hunting. The title is Job Hunting, Myths, Secrets and Truths. And it's the target is it's suitable for everyone, but particularly relevant for grads. So I thought it was worth letting people know out there that she's um, been done that hard work. And we put a link in the show notes for anybody who'd like to follow up on any of the links for our speakers. But there's a link to her book on Amazon there too. So hopefully you really enjoyed that podcast. Another three fascinating HR professionals. Their details are on our show notes as ever. Do reach out to them. Let's carry on building up this community. And all that remains for me now is to wish you a very happy, um, peaceful Christmas if you celebrate Christmas. If not, I hope you have a nice restful time because at least most things slow down at this time of year, don't they? So you can fill in on your podcast or catch up on your podcast listening or maybe not at all but whichever way you decide to go I'd just like to thank everybody who's tuned into an HR uprising podcast over the recent months your support has been absolutely overwhelming it's been really really grateful to to you for getting involved for reaching out to us and I really hope you'll continue to do that we'll carry on trying hard to put quality content out over 2020. So we've got one more podcast coming for the end of this year and that'll be another three HR professionals next week and then 
into 2020. Here we come. Thanks again for listening. Thank you for listening to the HR Uprising podcast. You can access more information, including resources or links mentioned in the show at our website, www.hruprising.com. Also, you might want to join our LinkedIn community or tweet to us at HR Uprising. We'd love to hear from you.